Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning and welcome to Germantown Presbyterian Church. It's a delight to see everybody here this morning, especially some visitors in our midst. We're so grateful for your presence here. Thank you for coming to worship God with us this morning. And we welcome all of you who are worshiping with us online. We know many people are uh, at home or some travel and they watch us uh, through, the, through our website and through the live stream. And so welcome to everybody who's joining us online as well. We certainly hope that you feel at home spiritually here at GPC, even if you are away from us this morning. So welcome one and all. I have an idea for you. If you haven't done it lately, then this morning especially, you should leave church and walk down the walkway toward the Memorial Garden, and you'll see the most beautiful daffodils ever. And then the tulips are coming up in the Memorial Garden, and the pansies are there. It just looks incredible today. So if you haven't walked through that special space on our church campus, you should do it today. Today may be the the best day this spring to go see that beautiful area. So um, I hope you'll do that. I hope you'll take advantage of all the many opportunities that we have here at GPC to see God's presence among us. You'll see a bulletin full of announcements this morning. I'll just remind you of a few of them, highlight a couple for you this morning before we start our worship service. One is an invitation to fill in the friendship pad. That's the maroon pad on the inside aisle of each pew. If you would please fill that in, put your name on there, and then pass it down the pew and notice who is worshiping with you as you pass, pass it back to the aisle uh, while you do that. See the announcement for the children's musical. There's a rehearsal, I think, uh, immediately following this service. We'll have a, mus- we'll have a children's musical uh, again on Mother's Day this year in a few weeks. And so we invite all the parents uh, of younger children to see the schedule and to sign your child up for that. And that will be a very special event for us. And we haven't had one of those in a couple of years, so we're looking forward to that very much. Um, Also, please do see the Easter lily envelopes that are in the pew rack. Every year we give uh, a lily. You may give a lily in honor of or in memory of someone, and you can do that again this year. Just put any, any amount in there, just a donation in there, and then you can put that with the name of the person you are honoring or remembering, and then also uh, your name on there as well. And we, it, I'll just say it's sometimes hard to put all of the editorial comments that people put on the name, such as this is the nephew of so-and-so who was married to just the name of the person you're honoring <laughs> and, uh, and your name on there, and that will suffice, and we'll make sure that's in our Easter Sunday bulletin. Also, uh, remember that la- last week and this week, we are taking up a special offering for uh, aid efforts in the Ukraine. So in addition to what you were already planning to give uh, this Sunday, um, if you want to make an additional gift for, uh, for the refugee and the aid efforts through our, um, our, our vetted and validated partners in the Ukraine, then you can give an extra gift. Just mark that on your check or in the envelope how much you would like to go to the Ukraine offering, how much to our regular offering, and I know um, that, that we'll pool our, our resources as a church and send that to the right people who will give it immediately to those who need it the most. Please also um, remember these couple, a couple more things. Come Wednesday night at 5.30 for our meal and then our Bible study that starts at 6. We've had two already, 
and it's been a great uh, two weeks, and we had a great crowd last Wednesday night, um, and there's always room for a few more. And so please do come on Wednesday night, and you can come enjoy that. We're looking at the last four days of Jesus's life, and so now we're up to uh, Thursday, what we think of as Monday, Thursday, and then next week will be uh, the last day of Jesus's life. Save the date for Nakomi which is uh, April the 29th through May 1st, um, and the deadline for registering is coming up on that, so please do sign up for Nakomi, especially if you just said in your head, oh, that's for somebody else and not me, that it's for everybody. It's a church-wide retreat, and it is a lot of fun, and there are people of all ages, but if you just said, oh, that's not for me, please do prayerfully consider signing up for that because it's really a lot of fun. And also save the date for the Mexico mission trip, June the 14th through the 21st, especially if you just said, oh, that's not for me. (laughs) Um, It's work and it's hot, but there's always the right amount of work for everybody at their level. So please maybe consider branching out a little bit. Maybe it's Nakomi, maybe it's the Mexico mission trip, maybe it's something else, but prayerfully consider these opportunities that are before us And you can see more information about all of these things in the church newsletter or in your bulletin as well. Friends, those are all of our announcements. And now we get ready to worship our Lord. Morning. God calls us to rejoice as we worship. God invites us into a deeper faith and more obedient trust. Please stand and join me in our call to worship. Thank you. <laughs> I waited patiently for the Lord who turned and heard me cry. The Lord lifted me out of the slimy pit out of the mud and mire. God set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. The Lord put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay.
offers us new life through Jesus Christ. Through Christ, we have forgiveness and love. Let us confess our sin and pray for God's mercy. Holy God, during Lent, we are especially mindful of the sins we have committed against you, the sins we have done toward others, the sins we have repeated and repeated, the sins we are ashamed of, the sins we should be ashamed of, the sins that have wounded those closest to us. Loving God, please forgive our many sins for the sake of Christ our Lord, for whom we live and to whom we belong. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. God has mercy on us, and God forgives your sins and no longer holds them against us. Let us rejoice in God's goodness. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And also with you. As our children come forward, I invite you to greet one another with the peace of Christ.
Dear God, you give wisdom and love every day. We pray for you to provide us in this moment when we turn to ready your word. Show us how to live and who we should as we are formed by your will revealed in Holy Scripture. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our first scripture reading comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter 15, verses 1 through 9. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise dispenses knowledge, but the mouth of fools pours out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. A fool despises a parent's instruction, but the one who heeds abomination is prudent. In the house of the righteous, there is much treasure, but trouble befalls the income of the wicked. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the minds of fools. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The way of the wicked is an, ab- is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves the one who pursues righteousness. Our New Testament lesson this morning comes from 2 Corinthians. We read chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. 2 Corinthians 5. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The reconciliation that God was reconciling himself to the world in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So we implore you, Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. In the summer of 1999, we were driving through Northern Ireland with our one-year-old in the back, going to see some friends of mine from seminary. He was Northern Irish, and his parish, his church, was actually in Ireland. But you had to cross over most of Northern Ireland to get to where uh, his town was, where he lived and where he served. He was a Presbyterian pastor, and interestingly enough, um, he, he was a pastor in Ireland, which we think of as being predominantly Catholic. But you travel through Northern Ireland to get to Southern Ireland. Now, that sounds a little bit humorous. But it's not if you consider the 30 years that people in Ireland and Northern Ireland refer to as the Troubles from the late 1960s 
to the late 1990s. In the same month, a year before we traveled over there, a bomb had been detonated in the town of Omaha, killing 29 people and injuring 200 others. Of course, that 30-year troubles had its origin in the decades and even the centuries before that. And throughout the troubles, there were all kinds of bombings and there were civilian and police deaths. And the root of all of it went back hundreds of years with land and religion and politics and history and pride all mixed up together to form this deadly cocktail that would erupt in violence in so many places. Now, I checked with my friend before this. Is it safe? Can we travel through these areas? And he said, yes. He said, yes, you can travel through those areas. It should be pretty safe for you to go. And it was interesting because we drove through all of these villages and towns. And if if you've been to Northern Ireland, then you know that for all of these years, people lived in divided neighborhoods. And if you were from there, you knew which lines you could cross, which boundaries you could cross. And we walked through some of those towns. And it was the first time I'd ever seen, with my own eyes, these massive murals that are painted on the sides of buildings. There were murals on, on walls, but on the side of whole apartment complexes where, that, where they had one side that was all uh, one straight line, one straight side, would be a mural 75 feet or a 50, 100 feet tall in the air that depicted a lot of the scenes from the Troubles. I mean, I remember on one there was a, a red fist clenched and there were drops of blood coming down from it. On others there would be uh, someone, a masked fighter with a machine gun pointing directly out at you from there. There'd be pictures of people with their faces painted on the wall and their name underneath, and it was someone who had died in the Troubles, and underneath the name it was, We Will Not Forget. All of these images. And so I wondered if it was safe. (laughs) There had been also in the previous year a peace agreement signed between these different factions known as the Good Friday Agreement, and my friend said, Look, you really shouldn't run into any violence. It's safe. But for goodness sake, do not tell anybody that you're a Presbyterian pastor. Because you don't know who you're talking to. Don't tell anybody what you do for a living. He said, if you go out to eat at a pub, do not get into a conversation with anybody about politics. Which is pretty good advice globally anytime. Not just then and now, but especially then. He said, look, just play stupid and act like a dumb American tourist. And I said, oh, in other words, just act naturally, (laughs) because that's what I am. Can you imagine growing up in a place with divided neighborhoods like that? I mean, can you imagine that as soon as our kids were old enough to go to school, for example, that the kids went to different school systems. People crossed over neighborhood dividing lines sometimes during the day to go shop or to go to work, but not at night and definitely not to socialize. All these neighborhoods had among them, and they still are there, a lot of them, what they called peace walls, but they were walls built for a reason, for protection from different neighborhoods and different groups. 
If you lived there, then there was this palpable estrangement, a kind of palpable alienation that just that just hung over everybody, a shadow that clung to everybody that affected you every day and where your decisions were made and what you did and where you went. Every day that shadow clinged to people. I read recently about a man named Noel Large who, um, who talks about his life growing up in Northern Ireland and being so angry all the time and so estranged from the neighbors around him. He participated as a young man in the troubles, and he inflicted violence on other people who lived just a few streets away, and yet so far away spiritually. Can you imagine living like that every day? I think the answer is probably yes, although our alienation and our estrangement isn't so visible to the outside world, but we do live daily in in places of alienation. We all do. Situations of conflict or hostility, maybe not physically, hopefully not physically, but certainly spiritual and emotional conflict. In our minds, we paint these pictures, we paint these murals of anger and fear toward others. And especially in families, there's strife in families over an inheritance, over a parent's favoritism, sometimes from years ago. Some adult siblings haven't spoken to each other in decades. There's certainly estrangement at people's places of work, in the community, in politics. That type of estrangement and alienation wasn't unusual for Jesus. It wasn't unusual for Jesus at all because he found himself every day, it seems like, Every day at the point of some kind of conflict. Every day you read through the New Testament, you'll see examples of Jesus right there in the middle of some kind of human estrangement. One day Jesus found himself in the group, literally in the middle of a group of people who had rocks in their hands and they were about to stone a woman to death. And he is standing there as the only thing between her and death and that group of thugs. Jesus found himself often being asked to intervene in family squabbles, one time over an inheritance. Day after day, leaders came up to Jesus to challenge him, to try to inflict conflict into his life, to separate him from all of the followers who were, who were gathering around him, the growing group of people. So what we know with a sense of the bigger picture, what they couldn't have seen back then, was this bigger picture of what God was doing with Jesus in his life and in his ministry. Jesus' life, his death, his whole life was God's way of dealing with human estrangement, dealing with human alienation, and putting in place the means by which there can be reconciliation on a cosmic scale between God and humanity, but also for you and I on an interpersonal scale with individuals every day for us with whom we find ourselves alienated. Reconciliation. Did you see how, how many times Paul used the word reconciliation in this reading? A short reading from 2 Corinthians. And if you think abomination is hard to pronounce, try saying reconciliation time after time after time. And how many times I have to practice that and practice that. 
clearly with reconciliation, Paul is trying to tell people something that's so important. It's essential for them and essential for the gospel. The first is this appeal to everybody, to all humanity, to all humanity. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled. Let the estrangement end. Let the alienation that is there for every human being between them and God, let that be overcome. It's clearly one of the main themes of Scripture from Genesis through Revelation everywhere. This idea and understanding that at at its bottom, the root of all of our problems, whatever your struggles may be, whatever mine are, at their root is alienation from God. Sin. Our estrangement from God. We set ourselves up as the center of our own universe. We all have this narcissistic instinct to to worship ourselves, to put ourselves up front and center, to put our desires, our needs, our priorities up ahead of other people. And then we want other people to circle around us and to orbit around us and to satisfy our needs. And when they don't, we get angry at them. It happens a lot. It's not a secret that most married couples wake up somewhere around year five or year seven or ten and realize that something isn't right. You're not doing for me what you're supposed to be doing, somebody says in us at some level. I thought you were going to, in the words of the agent Jerry Maguire, I thought you were supposed to complete me. You're supposed to make me whole. You're supposed to fill those holes in my life, and you haven't. And now, I'm not sure what to think. We look to experiences. We look to adventures. We look to travel, all of which are good, but we look to those to fill some kind of void in us. Have you ever taken a trip to a really beautiful place, maybe a foreign country? Maybe you've seen one of the world's great buildings or a great landscape, and and it genuinely moves you. You even say to yourself, I'm not going to be the same after seeing this. And you imagine the changes that you're going to make in your life when you get back home. And then you come home and after a few days, you're back in the routine and everything's the same. You have a memory of something beautiful, but the dissatisfaction, the incompleteness that you felt before returns again. Friends, we are estranged from the God who made us and it causes all kinds of aches all kinds of longings within us, all kinds of anxieties, all sorts of misplaced desires that propel us toward sin. Our work, relationships, money, ambition, sex, addictions are all part of the sin by which we are estranged from God. So the New Testament offers this, this, blanket, um, this blanket statement to everyone, be reconciled to God whether that's for the first time for you, praying for forgiveness and reconciliation and accepting grace, or whether it's the umpteenth time for you, be reconciled to God. The reason we say a prayer of confession every Sunday morning is that that all of us have this propensity to wander away and all of us have this need for reconciliation over and over and over again. 
So maybe it's the first time for you. Maybe it's the 100th time for you. Be reconciled to God. Which is part of the good news of this passage. And it is such good news. And it's spoken of here in 2 Corinthians 5. And the good news is that God has done all of the reconciling work for us. And there is no way that any of us could break down those walls, those barriers between us and God. So God does it all for us. Out of sheer grace and love, God has done everything that needs to be done. God enacted the original and ultimate Good Friday agreement through the cross. And Christ has now become our mediator between us and God. Often in situations of conflict, family members, business partners, they'll hire a professional mediator. And there are rules of engagement to be agreed upon at the beginning of a process. There are expectations laid out at the beginning. And then each side is invited to start talking, to start narrating their troubles, to start describing how things went wrong, and and eventually at some point to start expressing what it will take to make things right. What can each party or person sacrifice in order to reach some kind of acceptable outcome? And of course, the success of the process usually depends upon that, that mediator. The mediator listens and helps each side understand each other. Friends, we know that Jesus is our mediator. It's talked about in First, Peter, First Timothy 2, where he says this, he says, For there is one God, there's also one mediator between God and humanity, Christ Jesus, himself also human, who gave himself as a ransom for all. You see, Jesus is our mediator. He, he brings to us everything that God is. And when we look at Jesus, we see God. We look at Jesus and we see God's compassion. We see his mercy and his healing power. We know Jesus And we know God. But also, also then, Jesus is the mediator who represents humanity before God. His obedience and His faithfulness are perfect. His sinlessness and His lack of idolatry, His lack of moral failure, His perfection as a person is what God accepts and then applies to each one of us. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting their sins against them, says 2 Corinthians 5. God made Him who was not sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. God has done all the reconciling work for us. Jesus was obedient for us. Jesus was sinless for us. Jesus sacrificed for us. This free gift of reconciliation with God is just ours to receive. So be reconciled to God. And once reconciled, you can't help but want to share it. That's also part of the good news that we are Christ's ambassadors, says this passage. Ambassadors. What does a good ambassador do for any government? They speak for that government. They speak the language. They speak on behalf of the leaders. They persuade. They reason. God is entrusting us to be ambassadors to the whole world, to the world around you. 
entrusting us to tell people of his reconciling love. God is appealing to the world through us. What kind of ambassador are you? Well, the good news is that this is a training ground for ambassadors. That's what our church is. We're a training ground for ambassadors. The word ambassador in the Greek New Testament is presbuyo. Presbuyo, from the same word from which we get Presbyterian. When we think of that, a presbyter is an elder. We think of that word meaning elder, but it also means ambassador. So it means someone who is mature in faith, who wants to then share God's love with others. We are a great training ground right here for mature Christian ambassadors. So is there someone in your world from whom you are estranged? And you don't have to answer yes, because the answer is yes, and it may not be right now. Maybe it's been in the past. Maybe it will be in the future. But it's yes for all of us at some point. It's likely someone in your family. The more I listen to people tell their story, the more I hear about conflict in families, and it's very real. Maybe it's in your work. Maybe it's your next-door neighbor. Once you're reconciled to God, then you can't help but live with reconciling love toward other people, as hard as it may be. You may have to sacrifice some pride. You may have to make the first move. You might get rejected. But reconciling love is the driving force in your life. And it changes the world. It changed lots of hearts in places like Northern Ireland for that man I mentioned, Noel Large, who now leads reconciliation efforts in Northern Ireland. Just because the troubles may have ended in the late 1990s doesn't mean there's still not just lingering pain and lingering anguish. And so he leads reconciliation efforts. I was thinking earlier also about how many generations is it going to be before there's reconciliation in the Ukraine between Ukrainians and Russians? And that lingering hatred is just going to last for so long because of what's going on right now. Noel Large now gets into the middle of groups who were previously combatants. And they work together very deliberately and very carefully toward reconciliation toward healing a lot of those wounds, toward understanding the sins that were committed and then offering forgiveness for them. He is an ambassador for God, working to bring reconciliation to lives that were once so estranged. Friends, you are an ambassador. You are a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, then he or she is a new person, a new creation. The old is gone. And the new is here. Thanks be to God for His reconciling love at work in the life of Jesus Christ and in your life and mine. Amen. By the power of the Holy Spirit, let us respond to the hearing of God's Word read and proclaimed to us and take a definitive step toward being reconciled back to God as we stand together and affirm our faith in God using the brief statement of faith as printed in your bulletin. We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God.
Jesus proclaimed the reign of God, preaching good news to the poor and release to the captives, teaching by word and deed, and blessing the children, healing the sick and binding up the brokenhearted, eating with outcasts, forgiving sinners, and calling all to repent and believe the gospel, unjustly condemned for blasphemy and sedition. Jesus was crucified, suffering the depths of human pain and giving his life for the sins of the world. Amen. Please be seated. As God has been speaking to us this morning, we have an opportunity to talk back. So would you join me in a prayer? Good morning, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for caring enough to keep talking keep stirring in our hearts and speaking to us in the places that we need you. Lord, when it comes to this ministry that you've called all of us to, we confess that we many times feel helpless and hopeless to make any real and lasting change. And yet we continue to hear your voice empowering us through your grace in your heart, in your life, to go and be your hands and feet of healing and hope and restoration and love in the world. Our hearts burn this morning in places of conflict. Of course, this morning, we cannot help but think of the people and the country of Ukraine, a place that has been decimated and continues to be bombarded through destruction, whether it be through military or political or rhetorical war. And God, as that zone and the greater area of Europe has just been rocked by this horrible tragedy, we beg of you to come and to enter in. Enter in through peace negotiations. Enter in through ceasefires. Enter in through wisdom and good leadership. Enter in through directions and in ways that we cannot predict. We beg of you, Lord, let your peace and reconciliation roll down like a mighty waters, cooling and beginning the journey of healing of so many hearts and lives that have been utterly destroyed and negatively affected by this conflict. Jesus, we think about our own country and the situations and circumstances that are broken. There's so many that (laughs) if we were to begin naming them, we would run out of breath. And yet again, we hear you calling us to this. We look at the broken relationships at the pain in our own lives and those of others. And we thank you for showing us that the brokenness didn't actually begin there. 
wherever we are struggling to love our neighbors, our sisters and brothers, the deeper issue is there is a break in our relationship with you. There's something off. And God, we thank you for revealing that to us, and we beg of you to keep revealing where we and you are off. Lord, we love you. And through the beauty of this day and for the newness of life that is budding in spring, you show us that winter is a season. But joy comes in the morning and spring is here. And resurrection is on its way. And so we stand as a people rooted in the hope that you have put in our hearts. Powerless and yet endowed with your spirit. Feeling that it is impossible to overcome our old selves. And also feeling that new life that you have given us burgeoning and budding outside and within us. And so we give to you our mixed bag hearts. And we beg of you, Jesus, give us the strength and the desire to seek not the base things that we cannot help but instinctually be drawn towards, but to lift our eyes on you and to keep them fixed on you, no matter what the wind or the waves may be. You are our Lord. You've saved us from this, from all the hells we create for ourselves and others. And so we give to you the entirety of our lives and beg of you, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And so we lift to you these prayers and the multitude that we don't even have the words to articulate yet. And we give them to you with those words that you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. One of the ways that you can feel when God's reconciling love has been working on you, there's a fruit of the Spirit called gratitude. And it bursts as a byproduct of God's healing and reconciling love in us. It's a spiritual practice that's both natural and something that we practice intentionally all day, every day. And one of the many ways we do so is through the giving of tithes and offerings to God in gratitude for all that he has done and for the work that he is relentlessly doing to heal and save even us. And so I invite our ushers now to come forward to receive our gifts of gratitude to God.
Yeah. 
Let us again turn to Almighty God in prayer. Holy God, by the power of your Spirit, you have blessed us with your hope, your peace, your joy, and your love. You've blessed us with your Son, our Savior. You've blessed us so that we might be for you love for all the world. In obedience and gratitude, we joyfully offer to you our gifts, our treasures, and our very selves. Use them and us, we pray, to further your peaceable kingdom on this earth, and especially your peace in Ukraine. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Now, ambassadors, go out into the world with God's reconciling love in your heart, in your minds, and on your lips. Go out to love and serve the Lord, and go out to love and serve your neighbor as yourself. And as you go, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace today and always. Amen. Amen.